Lou Mansdorf, also known as Malibu Lou, is the owner, operator, and supreme high commander of the Boston-based label Rumbar Records. Lou has been part of the underground punk rock scene for over 25 years. He launched his first label, Melted Records, out of Astoria, New York, in 1995. This label featured popular bands of the later 90s, such as The Heart Drops, The Cretans, and Darlington. Lou reserviced in 2004 as the co-owner of Abbey Lounge Records, a label which served as a showcase for Boston-area bands like The Dents, The Coffin Lins, and The Downbeat Five. Lou started Rumbar Records in 2013 and has since then put out over 150 releases by many of the top garage, punk, power pop, and rock and roll bands in today's music scene. Over the years, the Rumbar roster has included the likes of The Connection, Muck and the Myers, Kurt Baker, Watts, The Cheap Cassettes, Indonesian Junk, The Dogmatics, Tom Baker, Brad Marino, Jeff Palmer, and too many other artists to mention. Anyone who has ever encountered Lou quickly understands that he genuinely loves every release he puts out and is truly excited to get all of this music out into the world. Without any further ado, let us say hello to Lou Mansdorf. everybody hello how's it going hey lou hey jay hey josh thank you guys so much for having me on man i'm fucking psyched to talk with you oh part of my french psyched to <laughs> chat no problem, and, uh, <laughs> talk, talk music catch up man this is awesome thank you of course thanks for being here so let's take it from the top how did you get started with melted records back in the 90s and what was it like running a punk rock label back in those days so so back then um to get to where we started started at i was working um at the time for caroline distribution you had caroline distribution you had caroline records two different entities caroline records eventually spawned astral works records you know and then that was just a big thing but the caroline distribution a we distributed a lot of punk um from the Caroline label. Uh, we were a, a, a sub-distributor for all the Mordam family labels, which included Lookout Records and um, Dionysus and mm. um, Sympathy for the Record Industry. We also distributed Fat Records, Epitaph Records, uh, Discord, and a bunch of small indie stuff. As well, everyone that worked at Caroline on the distribution end, you know, which was maybe in the sales department and the marketing department did one of two things outside of working that job. They either played in the band or they had a record label. <laughs> so it, it, it was just something that had to happen. And, and I had played in bands. Um, at the time that I started working there, I wasn't, but with people that I worked with and the fact that everyone else there played in bands, I formed a band um and i don't know some of the names i i may call off from from the caroline family you guys may know through their bands and things they did um 
Tracy Wilson from Dahlia Seed worked there. Uh, Bert Kirez, he was in a bunch of bands, and uh, he was known from the DC Discord scene. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he was good friends and grew up with all those guys. Um, Chris Clay, a dear friend from that time, was into Heart Drops, which I worked with. You know, it was a Melted Records band. Chris Lynn from the Morning Shakes also worked at Caroline Distribution. So it, it was just all of us worked in the same pit together. We went out to shows at the Continental Divide together. We, uh, you know, hung out every night after work. And in-house, there was another pretty cool label called Double Deuce Records, which put out the Jack Black record, which was kind of Jack Black was part of like our rock scene, you know, and bands we were friends. So it was just a matter of time to, that that was going to start that. But I was also very good friends with uh, Big Stiff of Stiff Pull Records. Uh, I met Stiff through a dear friend of mine, Walter Rossman, out in Florida. And I'd go out yearly to visit Walt, sometimes twice a year. And Walt also played in No Fraud and was friends with, you know, bands like The Crumbs and uh, The Pink Lincolns. And, you know, we go and I meet Stiff for the first. I've met Stiff long before I was working at Caroline. And I was just you know amazed with this guy and what he was doing he was putting out seven inches he was putting out cds um you know he was working with the pink lincolns and then while i was at caroline um he was working with the go to hells and that was just kind of like lou this is a band that, that's up your alley which they were they were a more rock and roll leading band and so my good friends bruce and iggy you know who were part of the crowd that i you know they didn't work at caroline but we, they joined all the stuff we were doing one day, I was like, when I came back from Florida, I was like, hey, if, if Stiff can do this, why don't we do this? He's got to go to hells. We can sign the heart drops. Hey, he's got the pink Lincolns. We can sign the morning shakes. It's all <laughs> all the same kind of family. And, and that's when we. That's really how it started. It, it just really, Stiff kind of talked me into it. And we went from there. We were, we were working with bands that we were friends with and hanging out with. And, um, you know, back then, you used to press a 7-inch for $2. Now it costs like 8 bucks to press that same 7-inch. So it's... <laughs> yeah, man. And so this was Melted, right? This, this was, was Melted, melted records. records, and that's how we started. It, it just really started with that. Let's see what we're going to... We didn't know what we were going to do. But, all right, we wanted to do some 7-inches. And, you know, we... And so we started doing... It was... I wouldn't call it a series, but it was, it was split releases. Heart Drops and Morning Shakes, we did a split release with them. Uh, Morning Shakes wound up going on to do releases. They did release of lots of our labels. Hard Drops wound up being an in-house band of ours. Okay, we're going to do a CD with the Hard Drops at some point. Um, Go to Hell's Van, like I said, was a band I befriended. And they were coming to town to do some shows. They wound up staying with me. They stayed with friends of mine. Next thing I know, Lou, we're going off to Boston. You want to come with us? Yeah, I'll come to Boston. And this was after a string of dates. I think they played, they came through with the Pink Lincolns as well, did a sold-out show at the Continental Divide, and then all these bands that we were working with, the Heart Drops, the Morning Shakes, everyone just became fans of these bands. And so it's kind of like Melted and Stiff Pole were, were marrying bands up and, and, and kind of, you know, we were like a baby label to, to the Stiff Pole label, just kind of following what Stiff was doing. And so I went up to Boston with the Go to Hells, um we roll into town they're playing easter sunday at 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 that at the rat the rat skeller which is a famous club i don't think there was anybody there it was easter sunday but they're playing with the tunnel rats who wind up in time becoming good friends of mine and the tunnel rats uh comprised of uh um the perry brothers uh and um which were captain leach and uh duke crevenator 
And on bass was Chris Barnard Beefface of the Queers. And these guys were all wow. family members. And But their crusty punk band or scum rock band was the Tunnel Rats. And to go to hells, you know, and them had struck up a really good friendship. I think that led to, like, you know, the family tree of the Queers. And, and I just struck up a good friendship with these guys. But through them, I met uh, Metal Murph and Chris Crowd, who were doing the Cretans at the time, which became a, a Melted Records band. It just all just started happening. And, and you know, all of that, we, we again, stemmed from Stipple and the Go to Hells and coming up to Boston and meeting some of our bands through those guys and then coming back to New York and then Melted kind of became a label dealing with like New York, putting out releases from New York and Boston bands. Cool. Um, so it's interesting that that working for Caroline, you got to work with with you mentioned like discord and lookout so seeing the way those guys were i mean were they did, were you inspired by them as far as like seeing what to do and what not to do um when you started well, your label yes you, you know it, it i think the little difference is and uh which was probably like you know we were more of you know Yes, we were. We consider ourselves a record label, but probably with a very tight budget. You know, trying to figure out what we're going to do. This, this, you know, couldn't grow into a full-time job for us. We just didn't have that kind of band to do that with. However, um, I'd say we, we we had for that time, you know, pr pretty impressive sales. Uh, you know that you know, but but you were able to do that because bands were touring and taking records with them. Um, we were able to put. I, I mean, I swear to you. Heart Drops put out a CD and 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 we put it in a listening station in like three or four Tower Records. You can't do something like that now. And you know what? It's sell off those listening stations. I, I mean, I, oh, I that's how that's how I got turned on to music. I'd walk in if I could listen to something and hear it and like it. I'm buying it. But yeah. those labels I met through it. Yes, we're working at Caroline, and I was a big fan, huge fan of Lookout, huge fan of Fat, and I got to meet all those guys. I, I you know Molly and Chris at Lookout that they were running Lookout at the time, but I met Lookout. Um, and they'd come to town for showcases. So a lot of that stemmed from these labels coming to town. They'd come to New York, and there'd be a CMJ showcase. Uh, there was also another indie showcase that used to go on. Uh, like CMJ, I think, was in the fall. There was another one in the spring. I don't, I don't know if it, was, it called another college name or something. But mm -hmm. So I'd meet Fat Mike and Aaron, uh, the Stern brothers from BYO. And, and we crossed paths with them because all of a sudden now, we're doing shows with their bands. So I'm not just doing the label, but I'm also booking shows. Oh, you know, the crumbs are coming to town, and they're now signed to Lookout. Can you book a show? Yeah, of course I can book a show. Uh, you know, crumbs should play if the hard drops. Done. Let's do it. Um, so I was meeting these labels. Uh, the hard drops, they were playing shows with the Stern Brothers bands up when they'd go out to the West Coast. Um, you, you know, it's like, it's so it's we were just really like, we were becoming more like, I guess, a baby band, a baby label to these other labels because the melted bands were playing with the lookout bands uh you know not to just run off their names again but we were we were playing shows with bands on the lookout label with the queers with the groovy ghoulies with the donnas with the crumbs with the high fives and all these bands wanted to play with rumbar i mean with melted bands and they were fans of melted bands cool. high fives came to town they were staying with us it, it, it was it was just like and we were such huge fans of these bands we couldn't believe it Heart um, Drops were a great band. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they they really like they they you know what? They were to put the term that we used, they were a greaser band yeah. that we were putting in the pop punk halls. And 
their attitude was we don't want we we you know we were making gasoline attendant shirts for them. Stippole did that, and we love these shirts. And, and the hard times were like, no, no, it wasn't cool to them. We were like, listen, you're gonna take these shirts, you're gonna sell them, and then they're gonna be cool to you. And they came back from from touring, and Luke Metz had to hand over the biggest wad of cash we'd ever seen. He's like, hey, can you can you, can you go make more? Yeah. It was, it was, but they went out. What happened with them, and I'll get back to the labels thing, but they went out to, um, this became a second home for Melted. They went out to the Lehigh Valley area, Lehigh Valley, and um, what else is close to Lehigh Valley? Allentown. They went out. I don't know who brought them out, but they were invited to go and play a show with Weston. And that just oh, opened, that opened the doors. And we were fans of Weston, Go Kart, another label, another Caroline yeah. label that 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 we you know followed and and loved it. Whatever Greg did, Lunatics, Weston, um, they and I don't know how that show happened, but Weston loved the Heart Drops. Again, those guys were playing to kids, but they were older. You, you know, a lot of these bands were, were our age, but their crowd, their fan base, were teenagers, even young. You know, where our fan base was, which is you know. We were in our 20s at the time, so it was mid-20s beer drinkers. It, it, we, we didn't have a young fan base. So that one show of West End opened up the door for everything. They came back, and they're like – they were getting cold like every month to go back to Allentown or the Lehigh Valley. And we were like, you're going to – you know, you're going to – okay, this is cool, and they all think you're cool, and they love your music, but you need someone to sell to these kids. That, you know, that, that T-shirt – you, you know, you know, whatever it was, the black T-shirt logo. That's cool for like one of us, but no, the, the kids want these shirts. The kids want this, and and that we stemmed it from there. And and you know, that really was the crossover, mate. So we were trying to bring. So then we just kind of continued that 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 line. Like, all right, this is our this is our niche. We we love the greaser and garage. We're gonna put bands that sound like the Devil Dogs into these pop punk holes, and that that's yeah. kind of what it was. You know, and when you think of bands that wound up crossing over to that, I, I mean, perfect examples, uh, you know, the Devil Dogs could be one, the Muffs could be another. It's, it's just rock and roll started, you know, appealing to that young crowd that was really into pop punk, you know. So we, Bruce and I had done a bunch of different trips just to get back to this. We got out to California with the heart drops and on trips like that. Uh, Hopeless Records was another label. We were good friends with Lewis at Hopeless. So we'd go out to L.A., He'd come out, uh, you know, we'd go to Al's bar for a show if the heart drops, and then we'd continue We'd continue on from there, then Bruce and I. We'd get, visit the Stern brothers, and then we'd, uh, you know, hop on a, a puddle jumper, and we'd go We'd go over to San Francisco, and we'd visit Lookout. We'd hang out with Molly and Chris for a day. We'd go see Fat Mike and Aaron at the Fat Offices. At that time, Toby, whose Red Scare was working there. So it's just like, you know, we've just met all these labels that we admired and, and had bands that we loved. And we were now promoting and working with bands that those bands loved. So the bands we loved were loving our bands. And it, it just, it, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. It's cool. So can you tell us, yeah, can you, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up moving to, to Boston? And what was that like when you when, when you got there and sort of got immersed into to that music scene? So the Boston scene, um, so right, like I said, I had the ties here in Boston already. And for years, we were coming up here with the heart drops for shows or coming up to see the Cretans play shows. And through Caroline at the time, Boston also w was like my sales base. So I was selling. So, And then just from 
different jobs that I had after Carolina. I left Carolina and then I then was, was working over at Roadrunner Records, you know, the heavy metal label Roadrunner. And I was handling East Coast sales for them. And Boston was a, a heavy, for, for Roadrunner, Boston was just a big radio market. Um, and they had radio regionals kind of all over the U.S. But their sales staff, there was, you know, they had more, Roadrunner at the time had more radio reps than sales reps, but the sales reps were divided between East Coast, West Coast. So on the East Coast, I'm working in New York, which is where I am. Uh, one day they, you know, just decide, hey, Lou, you want to you go out to Boston and be with Phil? Phil was our radio guy. You know, Phil's out there still. You know, you and he could go work out of Universal was distributing Roadrunner at the time. You can go work out of their office space. They'd love to have you guys in there. I loved coming to Boston, and I, I never left New York, never left the story of Queens where I was from, never lived anywhere else. So I said, yeah, I'll move to Boston. I, I figured I was going to be here for two years, tops. I figured that was going to be it. I'm going to come down. I'm going to hang out with the Tunnel Rats. I'm going to hang out with Jeff Palmer and, you know, those guys. I, I already I knew Jeff for my first trip to Boston as well when I came up with the go to hells. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to Boston. Most of the people, and, and I had a good friend up here, uh, Larry, he and I shared the same last name, Larry Mansdorf. He worked for Newberry comics, but he and his wife, Chris were from New York. They've been in Boston for a while. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to come to Boston. I got some friends in Boston. I'm going to work a fill in Boston. I'm going to spend as much time as I can visiting my friends in New Hampshire. It's going to be awesome. I moved up here and, uh, the guys I was moving in with, what they weren't like in the apartment at the time that i moved up here and the couple that was moving out uh they say to me i'm in a neighborhood i've never been to before i kind of just knew cambridge and that was it uh um and cambridge is where you got a, a bunch of clubs like the middle east and tt the bears and this actually neighborhood Emmons square was very close like walking distance so they said, you know, we're, you know, I was like, hey, you want to go out? I just moved in. You know, you guys are moving out tomorrow when, when you know, the roommates get here. And, and they were like, we don't feel like going out. But there, there's a bar around the corner. This is this is 19 and a half years ago there, there, when I moved up here. There's a bar around the corner. We never go there, but we think you're going to like it. I said, OK, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> go around the corner. And it's the Abbey Lounge. That's, wow, and the Abbey Lounge, in my mind, was like the Continental Divide of Boston. You, you know, it's like the same kind of bands are playing there: glam, punk, garage rock, dive bar, killer juke. I walked in, uh, and you know, I heard Cheap Trick and Kiss and the Dictators is what was playing. Um, I met Jay Grimaldi behind the bar. He was one of the Abbey Lounge's owners, and and he's the guy that came up with the idea of doing Abbey Lounge records. I, I met him that day. Uh, the Abbey Lounge at the time of the dive bar and then the little room where bands played were divided. So he tells me, you should go check out next door. We got bands next door. I was like, what? This place is so cool and you got bands? I go next door and Michelle Polis from the Dems is working the door. And, oh. and it's kind of like, that That was it. That was it. And, and, and I lived three blocks from there. It was... <laughs> I met I met on that on that in that same night I, I met like a whole bunch of bands I, I had met Muck and the Myers before coming up to Boston, but a lot of these bands that I met and friended, um, you know they they came to New York and played I didn't know but they, they were good friends with Lindsay from the Kowalskis who was an owner of Coney Island High and so they played a Continental they played Coney Island High they played the Kowalskis, and she had reached out to them before I had moved out 
saying, my, my, you know, my good friend Lou's moving to Boston. Make sure you meet him. So when I meet Michelle at the door, she's like, oh, I know who you are. You're Lindsay's friend. And it just kind of, I met half a dozen people that way. Craig from the dance was the same thing. Oh, yeah, Lindsay told me you were coming up here. So it, it just, I, I, made, I made a family the second I moved here. It was, it was awesome. And I, I, I didn't turn back. I, you know, I met my wife, Lisa, three weeks later. Um, she's from the New Jersey area, but, uh, you, you know, it's just, we just stayed. It's That's cool. Yeah. So let me ask you, Lou, was there ever a band that you wanted uh, on one of your labels that be it because of timing, bad timing, or just, you know, the, 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 the planets just didn't align, but you never got to put a release out by them and that you really wanted to. Um, off the top of my head, uh, you well, you know, uh, there's some bands that fall under that list, but may have been on a compilation that we did on Melted. You, you know, um, Hallie Bullet from the Unlovables is a very near and dear friend of mine, and, and Melted never never did a record with her, uh, but she's on a compilation we put out. So I, I would say, like, any project that she is connected to, I would have loved to have done. Um, the Crumbs were a band I always wanted to put out something by. You know, okay. I would have loved. I would have loved to have worked with the Crumbs. I love Chuck Loose and and Raffy and and even later on Marcello who played drums after Chuck Loose. I loved all those guys. I would have loved to have worked with the Crumbs. Uh, Go to Hell's is a band that we always wanted to work with. Um, you know, and 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 on on the Rumble, I did work with Edo from the Go to Hell's. We. We did his his project, the Cheap Gunslingers, and you know, so uh, I'd say you know those three would be top tier. I'm trying to think. Uh, Lindsay and the Kowalski is another one. We've always you know, and 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 I will be doing something with the Kowalskis this this or next year. We're working on on putting together a project. You know, we're just going through the songs right now. So whenever Lindsay and I comprise that, um, I'd probably even put someone like Andy Chernoff on that list, you know, Andy Chernoff and I from the dictators, uh, we've done different little things here and there. Um, I just personally admire him and everything that he's done. So I think, you know, we could put him on that list, whether, you know, him and Scott Kempner. I mean, I've always, I've talked to Scott in the past. Del Lords was another band, you know, just specifically, I wanted to do something with the Del Lords. So like, you know, I'd, I'd say, those guys are uh, who I've just mentioned, and Haley. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Um, that's what I can think of right now. Um, but I'm very fortunate with the bands I've worked with, you know, and like bands that that maybe I haven't gotten to do an actual release with. I, I've been, I've been I've been so lucky to maybe get on a compilation or a small project I've been able to do. So yeah. uh, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Cool. So something pretty unique about your label is you put out a lot of cds yes. it seems like these days these are showing up today wow. <laughs> here 20 24 tracks a compilation uh, i'll read that there's gonna be a bunch of stuff on here that that's bands you know 24 bands i, I can't i can't release everything but <laughs> but but they're all here so i get a chance to work something by 24 bands that i love that that's what's awesome about this i don't need to release a full length or an ep by all these bands like i'm gonna work a pro i'm gonna work this this compilation and i'm gonna work every freaking song off this compilation you know <laughs> just because that's what i do so i'm sorry josh not to cut you off let's finish that question and get into that 
Yeah, it, it's just so interesting to me because I, I see so many labels that just don't bother with CDs, and it's always about the vinyl and the very limited pressings and the digital, and they, they, they think that nobody wants to buy CDs, but yet you seem to be doing well with it and selling enough CDs, and the bands seem interested in it. And do you have a, a secret, or what is it that, that makes it work for you that you're able to put out that format? I, Lisa and I love vinyl. We love our turntables. Um, once our daughter Ida turned mobile, five years old, those turntables started collecting dust. <laughs> you know, we don't have time to play records. We don't have time to sit down on a Saturday afternoon and spend the day drinking coffee and spinning records. We just don't. I have a turntable here in my office so I could play records while I work. But you know, after I put one side on, I, I never get to turn. I never go to turn over the other side because I just. I'm busy doing work or something else. Um, I very rarely, you know, so I spent a lot of time then while I was a baby uploading all my CDs, uploading vinyl. I must have burned about 100 records to digital WAV files just yeah. to listen to <laughs> records that I just, yes, uh, somebody's so great, like, and, and random stuff, uh, Flesh for Lulu 12 inch. I got to put this on, on a digital file so I can listen to it. So I've uploaded a ton of vinyl, a ton of CDs. And I listen now. I listen to music at the easiest way I can, which is either on Sirius Radio or Spotify, or 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 downloads. Because I'm listening while I'm working. I also listen. I don't drive to work these days, but I would listen to music in my car. So I need a CD player, and that's where the CDs come in. I got I got probably 50 CDs in that car still, and they're wow. just sitting. They're just sitting on a passenger seat, and as I drive, I pop a CD in, and so that's who I think I could say my core demograph is. Vinyl too though, yes, people love vinyl and people say they love vinyl. And I, I work with bands and that will tell me, oh Lou, you know, people want us to put on vinyl. And I'll ask who, who? I'm not saying, I don't believe, <laughs> I don't, well, what, what I mean by that is, is um, I've never done a, um, you know, I forget what those sites were called, but you know, I'm a label. I press stuff. I put it out. I want to get the music out. I don't want to ask people to pay in advance to make enough money to make a. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, like I, a crowdsource. Just, like a, right. Like a, I have a nothing against it at all. I, 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 but that's just not my model, uh -huh. and it's a very time-consuming model because then you got to think of things. What am I going to give as a special gift to get that? You know, I'm of the the mind. I'm going to give you a pre-order. And you can get a couple of songs in advance and have fun, and or, or I'm going to give you a poster of purchase or a koozie of purchase. You know, I, I like to direct at that moment. You're going to this. What this is what you want. This is what you're going to get, and then you're going to get all of us on top of that. Um, so, you know, when an artist asked me, I really want to put out vinyl. I, I said, who, who wants the vinyl? Do you want to you want to put up a crowdsource and, and start building that? Go right ahead. You get that done, and I'll press the vinyl. Oh, he didn't do it because I don't think he really had people that wanted vinyl maybe he wanted the vinyl that's but i is so where i'm going with that is that i think vinyl for this kind of music um as current artists putting stuff out is definitely a, a young a young fan base and when you think of it you, you know the the connection kurt baker jeff those are all still young guys they're, they're young they're young veterans They've been doing this. They've been doing this as long as I have, except I was much older at the time. So, and and that's that's the vinyl crowd. And you know, not saying they don't they love what I do, but it, it it's just 
I don't, I don't have maybe a hundred customers of those guys looking at the stuff. I, I'd love to find that crowd. It's, but you know, um, Stefan at Stardom, he can press vinyl and sell it out tomorrow. I think it's unbelievable. Um, but I can do a CD, and over over like COVID times, the the Bandcamp business has picked up, and and where I would maybe look to, okay. The bands are going to sell the CDs or the vinyl. The distributor is going to sell the stuff, and Bandcamp's going to do what it does. That's my mail order. I'm going to say Bandcamp. The mail order is now my main source of of, of customers. Yes, it's it, it's it's um, some of these uh, bundles that I've been doing with new releases, like in April when I had four CDs come out. I probably shipped between 40 and 50 bundles. And that's that's four oh. different CDs all in that it was or or that could have been a combination of between bundles and solo releases But still to bring like 50 orders at one time to the post office to mail out I, I am so psyched to do that. It, it's you know, it, that's that's just how now, you know When I see that happening, I'm like, well, that's that's the label. I'm gonna be I'm gonna Continue to work with bands that are family to me music that I love and I'm passionate about I am not gonna do it if I can't carve out the time to get the music out there and heard. So, you know, I come up with, with a plan on how I'm going to do that. And then I'm like, okay, three projects are all kind of falling together at the same time. I think the same person is going to enjoy all three of these. Let's do it. And that's, that's what the labels become. And, and um, I'm, I'm really, you know, psyched that that, that that's what I do. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know who else out there does it like that. Um, but that, that, that's how I do things. You know, it's, um, this month I had the Peppermint Kicks, the Jeff Palmer CD, but see the Jeff Palmer CD is offered in a lot of different formats. So, you know, Stefan's selling a lot of vinyl. I believe the cassette version sold out, you know, um, and I yeah. CDs. but I think the Jeff fan is going for the vinyl record and then maybe uh -huh. the older crowd that I'm, you know, selling to is coming for the CDs and it, you know, it, it just, it works out. It works out in that aspect, you know, you got, you got two or three labels complementing each other, and we all do. And we all do what we do best. We're, but we're doing it together. You, you know, anything I post, I'm from, I'm posting the ever guys. You can get. Hey, you want vinyl? You can get it from start from Stardom or the Machine Shop in the U.S. You want the cassette? If there's any left, go to Memorable but not Honorable. You know, it's it's like, you know, it's, it's a family. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of these labels, so it's freaking awesome that, you know, we're not fans of what everyone does. So when I say I'm a family label, I you may like. A couple of their projects but for what they do i love them and when we find when we find an artist that all of us love oh my god it's it's like it's like the sky's the limit you got you got you got four people now you know working together for an artist that they love that so many other people love it's incredible you know it, it's that team i can work with those guys on a jeff release and anytime they want that's you know i don't know if that answers the question or yes yeah totally okay. It's it's the demographic is the CD. I mean, I swear, like at the show last night, the guys from Watts, you know, you guys want music? You got a CD player? Uh, Lynchy the drummer is like, wow, man, I want every CD you got. I got a CD player. That's he's, he's younger than me. But so that's the demographic. It's the guy with the CD player, and that's how they listen to music. And you know what? That that's still around. I think it stinks at New Carson. They don't have CD players. It, it's I know. When my car bites the dust, I'm gonna have to buy an old car again. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I think on the road, bands can sell CDs. You know, maybe online people aren't coming to them for CDs because, again, you also want to hold something. It's 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 nice to hold something. 
I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I saw someone post that they like vinyl to an extent, which means they don't always buy vinyl, and they like digital downloads. Well, all right, then what are you doing to listen to music? You don't play vinyl all the time, and you don't do the digital download, but you don't have a CD player. Uh, well, uh, this is this is then is do you ever do you ever medium to listen to it? So it's and in places like Japan, you know, the CDs are very popular in Japan. Um, hmm, really? Yes, more more so than vinyl. Yes, the guys that work for say we just you know, you know I don't you know that's why a lot of those Japanese labels they put out CDs and CDs. It, it's um, you know it's it's a, it's a popular form over there. Why I, I don't know, but that yeah. that is you know where we know like in Europe. UK, you know, vinyl is extremely popular. You know, it's it's. Excuse me, but I get customers from all over. I'll, I'll get orders from Australia. I'll get orders from Japan. I'll, I'll get orders from the UK. And then every now and then, when I see an order from Spain looking for a CD, I'm I'm blown away. I thought they only listen to vinyl in Spain. At least that's what <laughs> you know, Wancho says. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it it's cool. They're out there. The CD fans are out there. Um, and and I've kept my business model. You know, at, at at a what I think is more of a what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not a lofty goal. You know, let's. You talked about the projects I do. I've done a lot of these short run projects, so it's like pressing a hundred CDs maybe and calling it a day. Pressing it two hundred CDs and calling it a day. You know, by the time the band wants some and I sell some, it's gone. It's it's like you know mm. I'm, not, I'm not pressing. I'm not pressing. I'm not pressing a thousand copies of anything. Just can't. Um, mostly not pressing 500 copies to start. I'm like, the thing is, like, I just don't want the stuff sitting around. So you, if you can yeah. move between promos and band stock and then orders and, you know, get rid of 200 to 300 CDs, that's awesome. You can then go press 100 more. Um, I will say last year, though, you know, uh, the Yum Yum CD kind of took off. That that surprised us all. That that. You know, I, I kept repressing, you know, I didn't, you know, that came to me just out of the blue and Morton didn't really have a plan for me. And, you know, he was, he was already rolling. He had a European version on CD on his label. He had a Japan CD already in motion. He had the vinyl already coming on Screaming Apple. So I said, all right, why don't we press 300 and see what happens? I wound up pressing, you know, close to a thousand copies of that CD. Wow. wow. Yeah. That just kind of kept turning and turning and, you know that that's an incredible success story, but showed me that you can still do that on, on, on a CD. On CD. Well, well I originally you... started buying vinyl because it was cheaper than yeah. CDs. <laughs> you know, and now it's the complete opposite. You know, it, it's like you see this the CD version and the vinyl version, and the vinyl version is almost sometimes three times as much as the CD. Yeah. Oh so yes. like, yeah. No thanks. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> worth that much. You know, but so with all these. You know, you mentioned uh, 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 the vinyl and then people buying cassettes again. You ever see the 8-track coming back? <laughs> I think the 8-track is – you know what? Uh, the guys that work for Traffic at one point a couple of years ago were outsourcing, looking to make 8-tracks. They never did. Wow. Um, I for – I don't know. When I was I was getting on a kick a couple of years ago, and, and I was buying some vintage stuff, and I, I bought an 8-track player, I think, it, and I bought a couple of 8-tracks as well. I think the player was broken, so it's just kind of sitting for show on a shelf back here. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool, but even back then, like when I think of, you know, in, in the 70s, popping an 8-track in, it would start at halfway through a song, and you hit the button, and it goes to like three songs. You, you know, wasn't the 8-track in, in spots, right? Block, yeah. In blocks, so 
how much fun is that? It's cool. It is cool. It looks it's cool. It's different. Yeah, it's, di it's different. It's different. But you know what? It's something to hold again. I, right. I think people like here, Kelly and the Crushers had an eight track. It's um, whether I'm ever going to play this or not, it is cool. <laughs> it, looks cool. I, it, it looks good on the, you know, just on display. Or I could, uh, you know, use it as a paperweight. Or, but <laughs> I think it's cool. I think look, I think fans of a band want to have something to hold. Uh -huh. Vinyl, cassette, CD, a track, a cap. It, it, it's just another piece of merchandise, and I. That that so that's how, kind of how I look at this whole thing. It's it's it, it's merchandise. It's product. Um, that's why buddy Jeff Blatt calls it product. Rumbar product. And I think any kind of product you can have is awesome. I think it's awesome. So the A track, whoever will make a comeback and get in played, I don't know. But I think people. I thought I've seen people posting. And Charles Matthews post something about A tracks recently. Josh, did you see that? I mean, it wasn't him, but someone did. Okay. So I think today to answer your question, I, I think. The eight-track thing is getting around. I, I mean, you it's know, follow Record Store Day. Didn't they make a cassette store day? And you know, maybe they'll make uh, an eight-track yeah, store day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cool. It's a really. I just think it's a cool thing. Hey, I I love a band and I want to support them when I go see them play. It's a perfect, I think, merch table item. Like, oh, I got the LP. I got your T-shirt. You got eight-tracks. He and, and that's. <laughs> You know, back from even the, the Melted days, that was always like mine and Bruce's frame of mind. Like, we just loved supporting bands. If a band came through town, we were always, you know, buying something. I, I still do. You, you know, it's, it's like even that last night's show, I bought a T-shirt. It's just, yeah, you know, just something something you do when, you, when you're a fan of something. Um, I think, you know, if, if bands – I don't think everyone should be making eight tracks, but I think there's definitely a clientele for it. You know, I, I think so. Mm. I think something a lot of people are curious about with a label like yours, I mean, you, you put out so many releases, like a really, really large volume of stuff. Like how much time does it take you to run this label? Is like in terms of how many hours a week are you actually working on the label? Oh man, Lisa was, was here right now. She'd tell you, I, I'll get up in the middle of the night, like, you know, maybe two in the morning and I'll be working on the rum bar until the sun comes up, you know, and then I'll get either ready for her day of school and I'll get ready for work. And that's, you know, you know, and, and there's a lot of things, you know, I do take away the mailings and packing stuff out. I do when no one's home because my tape gun makes a lot of noise. <laughs> I always feel sorry for the neighbors when that tape gun is rolling, but uh, um, I can spend a day packing, going back to packing out orders. That could take me a day. That, 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 that's a job in and of itself. Packing, making shipping labels, taping it up, checking it off. And you know, some very few, very often, not very often, very few times I'll get someone that will hit me up. Hey, you sent me the wrong order. So I'll just have to resend them another order. But um, the ratio on that has, has not been bad. The um, setting things up from release to getting it out. And like I said, generally it's, I may just have the CD, some projects, as you know, I've done maybe a special seven inch. Um, a couple of years ago for Brad Marino, we did a CD and an LP. So those things, I'll get the music and then, and then, and then I, I got my task. I generally listen to music first, but I find it hard to listen to one file at a time. One file, you know, cause like, you know, when the file ends, you may be doing something else and not ready to hit the other file. And I feel like you can't really tell how a record sounds like, even though the songs are in order of when you hit play. You can't get the feel for that record by clicking one file at a time. You just can't. So 
I may be sitting on that music until I actually set up a Bandcamp page. And whether that's going to be the label's Bandcamp version of it or not um, isn't always the end of it. But I put all the music up in Bandcamp because that's how I'll listen to it, you know. And, and, and I get to listen to it. I'm like, man, okay, this is awesome. Now, now I'm ready to roll. Um, then I've got to get the, you know, when I get the art, I'll then build out the Rumbar Bandcamp page, which is, which is for my mail order business. Um, and then we go into motion with whatever we're going to do, whether it's like, you know, getting a CD package made or getting a vinyl package made and, you know, dealing with plants on that. If it's small run stuff, I mean, I'm printing it on my CD robot. So I'll, I'll run off, you know, you know, the most I'll run off on the machine is usually 40 copies in, in, in a row, but, but that could be a couple of hours. But, you know, so I may sometimes be like running the machine all day long to, to get a project done. If, if this is where, if this is where I'm pressing the project, but not everything's pressed here. Then, you know, Josh, like those emails you get from me, and there, there are lots of different emails. Sometimes if I'm working a single, I, I may take an hour to build out that email, you know, and, 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 and there's a lot of back and forth. I'm like, oh, I want to include a quote, so I, I got to go find this quote if I didn't, you know, already have it posted somewhere. Um, what, you know, I'll think, what, what track is the single track that I'm going to work? Uh, just figure out those nights, and I'm getting up at 2, and, up, and, and you know, until the sun comes up, I, I could be doing a bunch of those things or making, you know, review posts. On, you know, it's just a lot of that. And uh, do most of that work I do nighttime hours or early morning hours, you know, when I'm not, when I'm not working or when I'm not, you know, doing other stuff. And I've been wanting to... Now that I just, you know, getting older, put more time, you know, back into, you know, her and I, you know, we spent a lot of time together over, over COVID and, and I just find it hard, you know, to say like, you know, I know you're home, but I got my job job I got to do now, you know, then, oh, you know, there's some rumbar stuff I want to do and then, okay, we can go out, but all I got is a half hour, you know, so I want to really devote, like, instead of breaking up the, that time or those days, the weekends are devoted mostly to the family. I don't do much rumbar stuff yeah. at all on the weekends, period. Um, and then, like, now I just want to get back to, like, you know, okay, you know, when I say we're going to do something, it's not going to be like we're doing it for an hour and then I got to get back to work or, like, you know, this is your time and we're going to have that time. So I'm looking to figure that out, you know, and that may entail probably, like, you know, telling bands, you know what, we're going to have to push a project back or I just can't do it. You know, that's, you know, I just, because we're not in the COVID times gave me more time to do this. Now we're not. Now it's like, yeah. you know, everything is, as we're getting back to my daily routine, you know, the rum bar, which, which is a big part of my life, I'll be, you know, finding where that space is going to be in my life and finding the time for where I'm going to do that. And, you know, thinking now, you know, will a project just not have to happen or will a project have to wait or, you know, and, that's you know, I, but I think that's what what anyone who does this does. You know, it's it's just it's it's just finding the time, and you know, this is this is a, a passionate project of mine. So you know, it's got it's got to be there for me to really want to do it. Oh yeah, man, it's it's. I mean, I think it's really important that you keep time for your family, for yourself, and just you know, get your head together. Yeah, you know, keep your head together. But so, Lou, it, as as we're gonna start winding things down. Okay. You mentioned uh, Bandcamp. Where where are the best places to go for people to to buy your music, hear your your label's music? It would be at rumbarrecords.com, www.rumb, 
A R R E C O R D S dot com. I once I once sent out a Mailchimp with like an extra R in there, and I think <laughs> and, and I think that it was Spanking Charlene Tobin that brought you to a, a not so nice site. It was. Oh, <laughs> it always that's how it always is, isn't it? Really? And why can't it be like a Disney site or something? It's always got to be that you know. Yeah. They were like, Lou, I don't know if you know it, but. This link takes you here. And I was like, what? So, <laughs> it's rumbarrecords.com, and that takes you to the Rumbar Records Bandcamp page, which can also be, you know, whatever the Bandcamp link is. But rumbarrecords.com takes you right to Bandcamp or Facebook slash Rumbar Records. Those are my two sites. So anything that you want to know about the label, you can find on Facebook. And anything you want to listen to by the label or purchase, you can find on Rumbar. And, you know, um, worldwide, if people are looking for records, like if you're if you're in Europe, you can go to Sonic Rendezvous, Sugar and Spice. That's a mail order that carries all of our stuff all over Europe. Amazon Europe carries our stuff too. Uh, Cargo Germany, um, Water Slide in Japan. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't you know it's, it's not hard to find. It's honestly not hard to find our stuff in the USA. You know. I'd love people to come to rumbarrecords.com, but um, some of our more power pop leaning stuff you can find at Cool Cat, and you know, of course, you know, um, any other online retailer that carries stuff. Um, but I also wanted to re read some. I, I don't know if Josh was going to ask this again, but I wanted to read something to you guys. Oh no, go yeah, go ahead. Cool. Explain. This is explained by the great Jim Testa. The legendary Jim Testa of Jersey Beat and Jersey Beat Podcast. This is a guy that I know from the from the Melted Records days, and, and I, I'm assuming you guys know Jim Testa well. Also, oh, here we go. So, so the Rumbar roster, you know, comprises, you know, mainly we, you know, started things off. You know, like I said, it's, it, this is all music I love, love, and I'm passionate about. And if you're on the label, you know. It means that I've either known you a long time or we've worked together in the past in a band that, that you played in that I was in love with or we're family. Like, you know, this is this is like we have a relationship. We're family. And I love garage rock. I love punk rock. I love pop punk. And I love what we've been calling, you know, the heartland punk, Josh, the old the old country and heartland punk that falls under the, the, the banner that I now call it Rebel Rousers. And it's finding like a pocket for all of these genres of music, which I think more or less is four to five subgenres of rock and roll. So Jim wrote in Jersey Beat, Rumbar has long been the home of underrated, under the radar, garage rock and power pop. Um, he wrote that and then he followed it up in Off Shelf and wrote, the trustworthy garage power pop label Rumbar that's a gonzo hybrid of 70s bar band trash rock and down and dirty punk. <laughs> I mean, I think that really like explains what I do. He nailed it. I, I, I couldn't have come up with that. I, I When I read that, I was like, Jim. And then I listened to his podcast. I was like, dude, that's your podcast too, man. It's freaking awesome. But, uh, you know, that's. That's the music I love. That's that's what I listen to. I, I love, you know, it, it's like saying, love the Ramones, love Tom Petty, love New yeah. Order. It's, you know, so right there, that's that puts all that stuff. I think in, in, into into if I could work 
you know, the music that I love or the music I grew up on, you know, which you go in stages, like, you know, when I was listening to New Wave, you know, I wasn't really listening to garage rock. Um, when I was listening to hair metal, I was kind of shying away from like the dolls or, or well, not them, but like the dictators. A friend was trying to turn me on to the dictators when I was 18. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I like the Ramones, but this is not my thing. Three years later, I was like, wait a second. Twisted Sister ripped off the dictators. What the hell? I still didn't <laughs> you know, it, 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 so it really, I think what he had to write and, and you know, bringing back the genres of bands I deal with or, and work with, it, that, that explains it. it it's, it's, it's just like, you know, what I love, what I love to listen to, what I love to see live, um, what I sing in my head, that, that's, that's the music I'm working with. Perfect, man. Well, thank you very much for being here with with Josh and I. We really appreciate it. We're both big fans of the label. And I I didn't know you were Melted Records until Josh said something. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I used to own a lot of Melted Records back in the day, too. Um, So, yeah. Thank you so much, Lou. Come back anytime. I'd love love to have you back. And so on behalf of our guest, Malibu Lou, And Josh and myself, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next episode coming soon. Thanks again, Jay. Josh, thanks for having me on, man. This is so Of course, man. Anytime. Yeah, we we were psyched to do this, and this this was this was fun. 